Well, hello and welcome to another session of the Business of Craft Beer uh, Blog Talk Radio Show. Uh, my name is Greg Dunkley and I'll be today's host. This winter, we have an interesting series focused on partnership brewing. And as the craft beer industry matures, we are interested in exploring how business models are also evolving to help small breweries get started and successfully grow over time. Uh, last week, we kicked off this discussion with Tim Schoen, CEO of BrewHub, based in Lakeland, Florida, and Andrew Godley, CEO of Parish Brewing in Louisiana, one of their partners in that, in that effort. Um, today, our guest is Devin Kelly, the co-founder of Isles, Isles Brewers Guild, located in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Um, they define themselves as a cooperative brewery, all the flexibility of your own brewery without the capital exposure. And we'll dig deeper into the details of this business model in today's podcast with Devin. Um, Partnership Brewing offers an alternative approach for small breweries and and for breweries considering an expansion of capacity or perhaps even into new geographic regions. So welcome, Devin, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. So provide us um, with a brief history of Isle Brewers uh, Guild and specifically the business need that your co-partner Jeremy Jeremy Duffy and you were looking to address in today's beer industry. Sure. Um, It goes back to probably 2013 that we started uh, looking at the category. Uh, Clearly, you know, beer was a passion of ours. It was uh, an industry I was in for 10 or 15 years prior uh, and we were looking to see what the next evolution would be. Obviously, there was huge pro- proliferation of brands on the craft side of things. And, you know, while with all of that, it looked like there was going to be a real need uh, for a different kind of growth model. So <laughs> I think we were I think we were on a playground back in 2014 with our kids talking about opportunities. And by uh, the end of 2014, we had a business plan. And by 2015, we were looking to close on a building. So um, it was at that time that we we had a building in uh, downtown Providence, and unfortunately there was a massive mill fire about a week before we were going to close on the building. So, you know, one of those trials and tribulations of starting a new business, but not one you would typically find. There was the, the largest mill fire in about 20 years in downtown Providence. Mm. We, we were faced with a decision now of uh, whether to start over at that point or, or kind of give up. And we uh, were quickly surrounded by a bunch of folks who said, uh, let's press on, including potential business partners. Uh, so we started looking into new markets and landed in Pawtucket with the, uh, with the extensive help of the, of the local city and local government. Uh-huh. So how, how many breweries uh, work with you and, and geographically, where are they located? We currently have nine brewing partners. Um, we started with uh, kind of day one was uh, a year ago. We, we've only actually been brewing beer for about 12 months now. Uh, and at that time, we were brewing for three or four, and we're currently up to nine. Uh, predominantly New England brewers, uh, actually exclusively at this point. So uh, from you know Maine, Massachusetts, uh, Rhode Island, um, and yeah, pri- primarily uh, those key markets. What, and what is the profile uh, of your of your partners? Is, is it defined uh, by size, by potential for future growth, or what criteria do you folks use in selecting partners? Well, I think you know by definition you're looking at someone who needs capacity, right? They've either 
they either are facing capital constraints, but you know it all comes back to someone who needs a new format. Um, but typically, it need, you know you need scale. So I think when you start the conversation, you're obviously looking for someone who can meet those minimums, and that's for their own benefit as well. Um, you know we have a hundred barrel brew house. Uh, we have a 250 can per minute line. We're capable of doing upwards of 100,000 barrels in a year. So, you know, to make it work for both sides as part of that process, we want to make sure that the partnership makes sense. So the beginning of the conversation is typically around, you know, what are your barrel needs? And then very quickly it gets into the partnership discussion. Uh, how does the profile fit uh, with what we're doing? How does, uh, you know, what kind of pack formats are you looking for? What markets are you looking to get into? And, you know, we're open to a wide range of discussions. And we currently work with ginger beers, typical New England IPAs, lagers. I mean, we provide as much range as possible, and we do it across a number of packaging formats. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do do your um, partner breweries have, in in all cases, have their own physical brewery? Uh, And in in your view, how important is it that a brewery have a physical presence uh, in brewing team before working in a partnership, brewing a uh, partnership or arrangement? Sure. It's a good question. I I don't think – we're certainly not limited to that. They all have brewing Uh expertise. Uh, And in today's day and age, you know, a lot of breweries have multiple locations, and they may have a central brewing operation or a central brewmaster or, you know, head of ops that sits in one location while they're being brewed in others. So, you know, what we want to make sure is that they have a very clear understanding and vision of what they want to do from a brewing perspective, because, you know, it, it is truly a collaboration. You know, it's not, we're not typically in the mode of, Hey, can you give us a, can you give us an IPA? And, you know, we come up, it, it's almost, it's always done in conjunction with what their needs and what their vision is. So in most cases, there's a physical brick and mortar presence, but not in all. Okay. Uh, sort of building on your last response. Um, how does your brewing team and your partner breweries, uh, how do they go about developing uh, new product, new recipes? Uh, is this a collaborative process, or do they come to you with a recipe and your team brews it? Ex- exactly how does this work? Sure. Um, typically, it's an existing beer. Uh, we do some R&D. We, do, we have a pilot system that allows us to work with brewers to develop new flavors, but you know, as we said right in the beginning, this is about typically meeting a need in terms of expansion or capacity. So, you know, most folks don't do that with a brand new beer. They do it with their flagship or do it with uh, brands that are starting to expand into new territories. So we will, uh, in 90% of cases, we'll get uh, a recipe profile. We'll uh, set up a pre-production meeting with the team. We'll work with the uh, we'll work with our brewing partner to establish kind of what the needs are, and then it and then it gets into the economics. So from there, um, we'll work up the recipe. Look at our utilization, our you know, how what that's going to look like on our end. Uh, we take care of everything soup to nuts. So from a, from a procurement standpoint, we provide a great service in terms of not only the cash flowing of that that side of the business but also in terms of just the actual man hours of making it happen. So, you know, we're able to do that for the team and we do that around the table together. And then we come back with a, with a price, whether that's a, a case price or a keg price, it's usually fully inclusive. 
Okay. So, so you, you've uh, talked a little bit about your facility in Pawtucket. Um, uh, I'm assuming you have capacity for, with your nine partners, uh, uh, storage of grains, hops, uh, and, and wondered how this plays out in terms of the the pricing uh, of bulk bulk purchasing uh, and how that benefits your members. Um, if some of these are are uh, typically smaller breweries, they clearly wouldn't be able to uh, otherwise purchase in such large quantities. So, so what kind of benefit does yeah. that does that uh, translate well, the, to them? I mean, the hope is that through our scale, even though obviously we're adding a layer because we're part of it now, that we're able to provide a price that's very similar, potentially better uh, than their existing price on a case of beer or a keg of beer. And to uh-huh. your point. That, that's done from scale, right? We're working off of a 100-barrel system as opposed to a 5 or 10 or a 20. Uh, we have two, you know, bulk silos, so we're able to bring in bulk malt. I've got a third one that's on the way. We're in this sort of, since we started a year ago, we're in perpetual expansion. So there's move, there's more tanks coming all the time. Then we have another keg line that's on its way. Uh, and we will buy and store, you know, just cans alone, right? Taking that off, the once you get into bulk canning, uh, it, it takes up a huge amount of space, and our facility itself has is 130,000 square feet. So we occupy about 60,000 square feet of that right now, but it gives us all that sort of headroom that we need to be able to satisfy the, the needs and the demand of the consumer. Mm-hmm. How many of your existing partners are looking uh, at this partnership arrangement with you uh, to expand into new geographic markets? versus just just increase capacity for their current their current market uh combination i think part of every discussion is geographic expansion at some level or another um but you know we're very careful we try to we try to work as a the collaborative portion that we talked about we're able to bring some of the expertise that we have had at least, you know, in working in the market for a long time, but also bringing some of the experiences of the other partners to bear. You know, it's a pretty, a pretty close group and, you know, they're not afraid to pick up the phone or ask advice of someone else. So, you know, a lot of times it's, it's not only sort of encouraging or looking at the opportunity for expansion. Sometimes it's pulling back and saying, you know, let's, let's, let's try one skew here or two or, you know, we should maybe look at this market or that and not go, you know, quite as far. Particularly, I mean, as you've seen in a category, things are retrenching a little bit, right? There's so many, so many brands out there. There's so many breweries. So, you know, we've got to be careful about not overextending because we aren't, you know, we're not setting up relationships. This, it's not a job shop in the sense that we're brewing a batch and we're done. All of our relationships are intended to be three to five year relationships at minimum. Uh-huh. Uh, let me just take a moment. Uh, we're talking with uh, Devin Kelly from the, the Isle Brewers Guild in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Uh, the phone lines are open, and if you have uh, any questions you'd like to ask, it's 929-477-1757, and uh, feel free to join the conversation. Um, I want to also just take a moment to uh, mention our sponsor, the Business of Craft Beer Program at the University of Vermont Um if you've dreamed about one day opening your own brewery or looking for a career change into craft beer, the Business of Craft Beer Certificate offers the industry-specific knowledge to make that all possible. 
Um, your instructors are craft beer experts from across the U.S. and Canada, and each class has uh, eight to ten industry leaders who guide your learning about the business side of the craft beer industry. Uh, to learn details, uh, vis- visit us on Facebook, UVM Business of Craft Beer, or you can give us a call at 800-639-3210. Our, our classes um, tend to fill uh uh, weeks in advance, so if you're interested in getting started, then you might want to hop on uh, our website and take a look at upcoming courses. Um, so I just wanted to open it up, but we have a, c- a caller. Uh, do you want to announce yourself with a question, or are you just here to listen in? I take it maybe the latter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so Devin, uh, you talked a little bit about the pricing model. Um, can you go just a little a little deeper in that? Um, uh, is it typically one sort of approach that you folks take with your partner to arrive at a at a fixed keg and case price, or are there variations on that? Yeah, typically uh, the majority. Well, let's go a little bit more high level for a second because I know it's something that we've touched on in the past. Um, you know, there are multiple ways of uh, setting up the relationships with our brewing partners and, well, certainly from the industry standpoint, in that um, a traditional contract relationship versus, you know, as we have discussed, an alternating proprietorship relationship. And, uh, you know, both of those models exist within our model. So we have both folks who are on uh, more of a straight um, partner, as we call it, but contract relationship, and then we have partners who are set up as alternating proprietorships. So to draw the distinction, one is uh, one, one relationship is an all-in price um, whereby they give the formula, we do all the sourcing, we set everything up, and we provide that end case or keg price. Um, very, you know, it's very convenient um, for our partners in that not only are we doing all the sourcing, but we're also cash flowing that as they're looking to do more and more expansion. We all know, you know, cash flow is king in, in this uh, in any industry. Um, the other side is the alternating proprietorship, and that one's a little bit different. So that's typically with partners who may still be in multiple facilities and are are looking. They take care of all of the procurement. Um, so it's set up less as an end case price and more as a, a, a service or leasing fee. Uh, so we would still be doing the brewing, um, you know, in conjunction with them. Uh, we'd still be following the same process. We'd still be subject to the same quality assurance and quality controls, and there'd be full access to lab. But the fundamental difference is that it's set up as more of a leasing fee rather than a, an end product fee. Yeah, okay. And um, uh, I guess it varies depending on which model uh, you pursue or one pursues, but um, how, how are federal taxes uh, tracked and paid? Uh, essentially pass-through. <laughs> so okay. um, we're, the brewer, we're the brewer of record, but TTB allows for uh, a pass-through. It's just our uh, tax determination uh, is, all, is all done and handled by the, the brewery of record. Um, now, alternating proprietorship is, is handled a little bit differently because they are, in fact, the brewery of record. Um, the, you know, on the more traditional partner contract side of things, um, obviously, you know, there's some benefit, again, in someone handling all that paperwork and taking care of 
uh, taking care of all the TTB end of things, uh, and we make sure we take care of that at both the federal and state level. Okay. Uh, for for new products, um, as opposed to um, expanding uh, uh, the production capability for existing uh, uh, beer products, um, who's responsible for applying for the certificate of labor approvals for for, for these? Yeah, we, you know, again, part of the service, I try to take care of all of that. Um, so I have a long list <laughs> and a long relationship <laughs> on the uh, on the COLA side of things with PTB. Um, you know, if there's any questions or, or very, you know, changes that need to be made, certainly anything from a graphic control standpoint or brand design standpoint, that doesn't exist with us. Uh, you know, we are always happy to collaborate and you know, we're able to offer insight that allows people to save money so that they don't have to go through as many iterations because we've been through that many. Um, so, you know, by providing the service, we can cut down on not, not only the time to market, but also the expense in getting to market. Um, and I try to handle all of the, uh, all of the COLA filing. Okay. Um, and then finished product, uh, the beer comes off, gets packaged, uh, depending, I guess, on where it's going, ultimately, um, who's responsible for, you know, arranging with the distributor for product pickup um, or, or, you know, whatever designated wholesaler they're using? Yeah, I mean, logistics are always a challenge for everyone. Um, we handle, you know, obviously all of the staging and loading, uh, and we coordinate directly with the trucking companies. Um, but in terms of placing orders at the distributor level, that's now the that's the obligation uh, as it should be of the brewer because they're the ones that are in the end in control of the of the sales and what happens as soon as the product leaves uh, leaves the brewery. So, yeah. but from there, you know, it's always we try to be as flexible as we can. Um, and you know, when you're when you're working with nine or ten or fifteen different partners, um, you know, what's unique about our business, and I think what's unique about you know where the market's going a little bit is we are a hundred percent dedicated to our partner brewers. So, you know, at, uh, we we don't have, uh, nor do we intend to do any sort of market-based uh, brand uh, under the Isle Brewers Guild name. Um, and in so doing, it just allows us, you know, our entire operation is focused first on quality, you know, through brewing, uh, but then on the operational and logistics side of things uh, to just make it easier for expansion for the partners. Uh, uh, just to find the distinction between the Guild and the Isle uh, Brewers Guild uh, for our listeners. Sure. One of the unique things we do have, and and we hope provides a, a truly interesting and unique experience within craft, is because we have so many partners, we have uh, we do have our partners served on tap in our tap room. So our physical location in our tap room is the guild, um, and that's where you know the consumer, the broader consumer, uh, knows us as the guild. Uh, and from a B two B standpoint, in terms of just more at the corporate level in working with our brewing partners, that's Isle Brewers Guild. So for the sake of this conversation, typically when we're talking to consumers, we speak just uh, we, we speak in the context of the guild. But obviously, this is kind of more of a craft audience. The B two B side of it is is Isle Brewers Guild. Okay. Um, as you look at uh, today's uh, craft beer industry, obviously uh, it's slowed considerably from a few years ago. Um, as as this industry matures, um, 
do, do you see more of these cooperative and collaborative ways for breweries to work together? You know, what's the, what's the future of collaborative, collaborative brewing in your view? Yeah, no, I, I right now, uh, there's certainly plenty of demand. I mean, we designed this knowing that the sort of uh, the the market was reaching a tipping point, um, and there's still opportunity for growth. But the days of of massive and rapid expansion uh, as a as a craft brand, um, we may see it again. You know, we've seen it twice now, sort of in my beer life. Um, but it's going to be a while before you know just being a new craft beer in a market is going to be enough in order to generate trial. There's just too much out there and. You know, one of the beauties of the category is being relevant locally and being fresh locally. So, um, you know, segment-wise, I think that this, uh, what we're going to continue to see is more and more penetration of the craft segment, but it being geographically more concentrated. Um, You know, when the market pulls back like that, or at least morphs uh, in that sense, um, you know, there's also opportunities. And, you know, we provide a service uh, and those, you know, in the in the space that are doing something similar, that reduces the risk. Um, you're 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 talking about uh, uh, there. You know, over the last four or five years, there were folks that were contemplating ten, twenty, thirty million dollar breweries that are probably taking a step back, saying, you know, is that the best use of our capital? Let's let's try to build scale uh, and understanding of the market before we take that type of step. So. You know, as the market changes and moves, I, I think I think that there's a, absolutely a, a very strong place for uh, the partnership brewing model. And so, for you know, looking forward in terms of you know our next steps, you know, we already um, because you know because logistics and the operational side of it and freshness and and local local footprint is so important. We're already talking to our partners about where that next location should be, and if we you know take that step it would be probably with a number of our partner brewers already looking to get into those markets, but also then providing that, you know, service uh, and to, to, you know, existing brewers in whatever market we would then go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in addition to the all important issue of risk and not taking on too much risk, we've, we've, we've read in over the years about uh, uh, breweries that have, uh, expanded their their capacity greatly, and then the market headed south, or they they didn't reach the the sales expectations that they built into it, and and they ran into trouble as a result. I'm wondering on on sort of the other side, where we're, you know, you're not taking on the risk as a as a brewer to build build out your existing brewery or build a, build a second brewery, but do you see them focusing and being able to focus a lot more of their resource and attention? to, you know, brand building, marketing, beer sales, uh, rather than sort of operating a a larger brewery? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I I think that's sort of paramount uh, to the, to the story and, and our success thus far, Um, you you know, it takes a lot of work building brands and, and especially in, in a market that's, that's so saturated, it, it, it requires, if you on the street, it requires, 
you know, focused on, on outside rather than inside. And so once you get over the hurdle and, and develop both a trust and an understanding of, you know, this is really an extension of your brewery and, you know, we want to provide all the, all the toys and bells and whistles and, you know, from a quality standpoint that hopefully uh, exceed, you know, what you may have in your, in your current facility and you have as much access as you want to both, you know, an, an additional brewing team, but also, you know, to the brewing process and, and, you know, you get past that, it, it can be liberating because now, now you can concentrate on the stuff that, that's that much harder, which is competing in a very, very, you know, a very tough marketplace. Yeah, this industry, a lot of people um, uh, who are in it say they're they're have chosen to be in the crappier industry because of the level of collaboration. It seems that what you folks are doing is just taking this to another level. Here's a whole team of of uh, you know nine different breweries working together, and you guys are providing a level of mentoring. Probably, I don't know if that's too strong a term, but um, for some of those partners who. Uh, haven't been around as long as you guys have and maybe know the industry quite the way you 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 do uh is, is that is that the case you're 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 serving as sort of a business mentor to to some of your partners yeah i mean it, it's as much or as little as they need right or want yeah. I, I think yeah. you know I, I wish there was more time for it to be honest because everyone's got their head down trying to make things happen um but you know it's invaluable when we're able to take a step aside and, and sit in a room with these guys and just talk about, you know, what their next steps are as a brand, whether that's the beer itself or just, you know, the brand as a whole. So, you know, we're actively involved in some, you know, just as a mentor probably is strong, but just more as advisor, hopefully, um, uh-huh. you know, in, re- in rebranding exercises, um, you know, we've been part of the annual strategic planning where we've gone out into the market with our, with our partners and sat down with the wholesalers and sat down with the principals and, and been part of their brainstorming and part of, you know, understanding what their next steps are so we can bring some of that. And, and I think that also goes, honestly, it goes beyond just our partner brewers. Uh, You know, this, the beauty of this segment is uh, there's rarely a day, certainly a week that goes by where there isn't another craft brewer coming to our facility to talk about something or, you know, to ask us about, you know, canning or, you know, or to, frankly, to borrow the cup of sugar, right? Like, you know, there, <laughs> if we, we, it's not unusual to share some raw materials if someone's looking for it or, or some packaging materials if someone needs, you know, pack tech or something similar. Um, and that's, boy, it makes a difference. I mean, we all compete at a, at a certain level. Um, but, you know, even among those who would be presumed to be key competitors, uh, it's, it's very collegial. Well, we're out of time and, uh, thanks Devin for, for joining us today. Um, interesting conversation about your work at, uh, Isle Brewers Guild in Pawtucket and, uh, this ongoing, uh, sort of theme of uh, this winter where we're talking about different business models for the industry. Um, so Devin, thanks again for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks Greg. Um, and to our listeners, uh, we're going to be taking a couple of weeks off. Um, I'm going off to explore the craft beer scene in Mexico, and uh, which is burgeoning, um, finally. And I uh, look forward to a future podcasts in mid-March uh, when we pick this up again and talk with uh, others in the industry who are um, working uh, as either the host for a partnership brewing model or are 
smaller breweries that are that are joining that that uh, that model. So until our next show, and uh, make sure you support your local breweries. Have a good day.